Okay, hello everyone and welcome to Actus Radio, the nation's only radio program dedicated to the clinical documentation improvement profession. Actus Radio is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Today, Wednesday, June 6th, marks our 98th program. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, Actus Conference Recap, Malnutrition Audit. So for those who made the trip to San Antonio for our 11th annual conference the week before last, I hope you found it a worthwhile learning and networking experience. I certainly know that we at Actus did. And welcome back to our first uh, Actus Radio program since the conference. I'm joined today by my co-host, you can see it left of your screen there, Charm Brody. Charm is a full-time instructor for the CDI boot camps, as well as a subject matter expert for us here at Actus. Charm has more than 35 years in the healthcare industry, including multiple areas of nursing in a variety of roles. Uh, prior to joining us, uh, Charm worked as a consultant providing program audits, implementation, and continuing education for CDI departments including physician education in various healthcare facilities. Um, and we're glad to have her back on the program. So welcome, Sharm. Hey, Brian. Happy Wednesday. All right. And next, I'd like to introduce our industry guest today. This is his first time on the program. We have with us today um, Vaughn Matical. Vaughn is an MD in the CCDS and is the director of the Clinical Documentation Advisor Program at Vident Health in Greenville, North Carolina. Currently, his team is comprised of four full-time physician advisors and one physician assistant advisor. Uh, Vaughn and the team provide DRG validation, coder and clinical documentation specialist support, and medical staff education on clinical documentation's impact on finance and quality. He has served for 11 years as a utilization review consultant and has more than 12 years of experience in hospital medicine, which he continues to practice. And I'm very glad to have him on his first Actus Radio. So welcome to the program, Vaughn. Thanks very much, Brian. I'm really happy to be here. All right. Well, as we always do, we're going to start with a poll question related to today's topic. Pulling that up now, you should be seeing that on your screen. Uh, and we're asking folks, how big of a problem is auditor denials of malnutrition in your organization? Would you describe it as a minor problem? Maybe a few denials here and there, or maybe, if you're lucky, maybe none. Uh, moderate problem, major problem, many denials, heavily scrutinized diagnosis. Uh, maybe you don't know because you're not involved in the denial side or not applicable. As I always say, we have some folks not working in the acute care setting or, or in an organization. So again, how big of a problem are auditor denials of malnutrition in your organization? Would you describe it as minor, moderate, a major problem, don't know, or not applicable? All right, well, those are stabilizing. We've got about 80% of our audience that have voted, so I'm going to go ahead and close that out, and we will um, come back to these results in just a few minutes. 
All right. As I mentioned, our guest today is, is Vaughn Madical. Vaughn, welcome to the program. Thanks for being a part of Actors Radio, and thanks for clarifying how you pronounce your name right before the show, because I would have probably butchered that as well. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump right in. You know, Vaughn, um, you presented on this at the Actors Conference. So for those that attended this and did go to your session, we had six tracks running at all times. So even folks that did attend might not have seen your session. But you, you guys um, were involved in a high-profile case with the Office of Inspector General, who I'll hereby call the OIG from here on out. Um, they performed an audit of severe malnutrition, specifically codes 261, which is nutritional marasmus, and 262, so we're going back to the ICD-9 days, um, other severe protein calorie malnutrition resulting in what the OIG claimed, and I say claimed because it's subjective here, as we'll talk about, um, a $1.4 million overpayment. So can you maybe just provide our audience with a with a brief recap. I know that's going to be very hard to do, but in our limited time, but just a brief recap of the uh, of the case. Uh, sure, sure, Brian. Um, you know, this uh, all goes back to a clinical initiative in 2012 with the release of the new um, guidelines from uh, AND and Aspen. And our clinical dietitians were um, very uh, keen on these uh, new um, criteria and did some internal studies and kind of validated um, the uh, significance of these uh, criteria and the validity. Um, and then after that, they really worked hard to educate themselves uh, and start applying these. Um, later on, um, they noted that our um, documentation and our coding wasn't exactly uh, keeping pace. So they worked with our CDI encoders and did lots of education uh, to kind of get everyone up to speed on that. And that's really uh, where we saw an uptick in our um, capture of these codes. Um, and that's what put us on the radar for the OIG. Um, we got our um, letter um, and they uh, came on site and did an um, on-site visit. They had requests for charts, um, which they um, subcontracted uh, to a, an auditing contractor for review. Um, the findings were uh, unfavorable uh, with I think 89 out of our 100 cases um, being denied. Um, since that time, we uh, had a, you know, we had our second on site. The um, results were published, our rebuttal was published. Uh, we've been dealing with the appeals process through the um, CMS um, uh, uh, appeals pathways. So, uh, that's kind of where we are now. We're still working through that appeals process. Excellent. You know, and I, you, you mentioned that was published. That is available out there on the web, but I can provide folks with a link to it if they would like to re read the rebuttal. I, I, I've said this more than once to you, um, Vaughn, but it's amazing work you guys did in supporting your case. Um, so I encourage folks to check that out. This is Sean. Can I ask you a question about the rationale that the Office of Inspector General used? Um, I know you just mentioned that Biden uses the Aspen criteria. Um, it, do you, can you give us a little idea of what you look for in the documentation so that malnutrition is picked up as a diagnosis? But really, what was the rationale that they used for the denial? Um, well, that's a, that's a big question. Um, we um, have a very uh, forward-thinking um, 
department with our nutrition uh, and our dietitians, and you know, we were fortunate enough to have a subject matter expert. So we were really ahead of the curve on that. Um, and uh, even though they get training during their um, education, um, we had um, additional focus training, and, uh, and that included didactic um, and reading, um, as well as competency training for nutrition-focused examination, nutrition history in uh, the context of these criteria. Now, our coding is based only on physician documentation, so I, I do want to clarify that. I did get a question at the conference, but we, we code based on physician documentation. Um, the rationales for the denials uh, were uh, varied. Uh, some were clinical validation. Uh, some were uh, reportability uh, standards. Um, you know, we, we did categorize into uh, five different categories, but they were split between the two uh, topics of uh, clinical uh, denials versus um, coding and reportability. Um, Okay, thank you. Bye. I'll over to you. Next question. Yeah. We didn't lose you, Vaughn, did you? You're still there. No, no. I was just uh, uh, wondering if you wanted any more detail on the rationales. Uh, it, it can go into great detail, but we don't have a lot of time today. Yeah, yeah, I know. There's, there's a lot to cover. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, um, the audit findings. So, you know, again, I, I, I'm going to link to the report. Someone asked me already in the comments if they could you know, if I could provide that. I, I will provide that in the show notes. And for those that don't know, all our shows are recorded and available on actus.org. Um, and I'll put the link to the report there. But can you talk about uh, what you did when you got the audit findings? You know, um, you obviously put a lot of work into re the, 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 the rebuttal. So about, you know, how you put together your response, a response team, this was more than just you. There were several other ancillary apartments involved nutrition and compliance and um, and all that, which was ultimately published as part of the OIG audit report. Sure, Brian. Um, you know, um, all through the process, even when we did our on-site visits for the initial and the follow-up visit where we did case-by-case um, uh, -case reviews, um, we had um, a multidisciplinary team and we had representation from coding, our internal auditing, uh, compliance, um, our uh, legal team, uh, we had physician advisors, um, we had CDI, uh, and we had um, our dietitians um, and some of our HIMSS uh, leadership who are really uh, kind of instrumental in coordinating a lot of our efforts. Um, so uh, we kind of uh, maintained that complete team throughout the process from the start uh, all the way till present time. Uh, as we did our rebuttal, we um, each took portions of um, writing uh, where the physician advisors were working with the dietitians on clinical um, aspects, uh, but we all wrote separate portions, um, most applicable to our area of expertise and our area of work. Um, we all reviewed other folks' portions, um, and by having that division of labor, we were able to spend a lot of time on each individual section. I think the the real um, kind of um, beauty of that letter is if you read it, it looks as if it was one author, and that I think goes to uh, the credit of uh, Kristen Gonzalez, who is our uh, corporate hymns director who coordinated our work. Uh, she um, took in and assigned all of the writing um, and then um, compiled it with a 
appropriate transitions and appropriate organization. Um, we did this all with um, partnership with our uh, compliance folks uh, and also our uh, legal team to make sure we were communicating effectively and that our message was clear and that the organization was uh, appropriate. Um, so um, we really uh, divided the labor. We had, you know, a point person that helped coordinate uh, and then we had good support from compliance and um, legal um, to put that together um, in such a way we, we kind of knew what the OIG's determination was, but we really wanted to put out there um, as a roadmap and a communication to others what, what is out there, what, um, what are the uh, informational pieces that are available to look at um, if you are faced with something like that. So uh, we really just wanted to communicate our story and um, our thoughts and our approach um, to hopefully um, just make it more uh, available. Right. Yeah, one of our listeners really is just expressing her appreciation for you uh, crediting your team and, and providing for allowing uh, other facilities to learn about your experience here. It's important to hear this stuff. And and for our listeners, um, I, most of you guys might know, but we do post the slides from our conference on the, on Actus.org. So um, I'll, I'll show you guys how to get to those later on in this program. Um, when we're kind of recapping the conference, but those slides are available right now on actus.org in our uh, reference library. So there's you, you guys really, I thought Vaughn did a nice job at the conference with some examples, you know, side by side what the what the auditor wrote versus what was actually documented in the chart, showing some of the you know, the muscle wastage and the the real clinical examples supporting malnutrition, and it was very puzzling how some of these could be could be overturned. Um, so nice job there. Well, thanks, Brian. We I wish we had more time at the conference to um, go into more examples and uh, show more of um, the documentation um, that we presented um, or that was present in the cases. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, an hour seems like a long time, but um, for a big topic, it was uh, it was challenging. We could only get through two, um, and you know, we did have to. You know, compress those into uh, just a couple of slides, but hopefully people were able to um, see the rationales and um, understand kind of what the issues were we were uh, dealing with and um, our thoughts on some of the rationales that we got back after our audit. Right. It, it was a great presentation, and I even in the you know we're only here for 15 minutes today. It was an hour at the conference. Um, I could have listened for much longer. So I am very happy that you are going to be doing a webinar that's going to be extended um, a, a little bit to discuss this because I'm going to tell you, I was quite surprised. Um, you had left it as like a cliffhanger as to what the, the ruling finally ended up. And I thought, that is just craziness. But can you talk a little bit to what you're going to cover on the webinar? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, what we want to do in the webinar is um, – maybe do some more clinical examples of the other rationales. We separated those into five. Uh, we'd love to go through additional examples um, of those. Um, and, uh, you know, I think um, those points really hit home when you can connect it with uh, a patient. And, you know, as I said, this, this all started as a clinical initiative and, um, you know, we're trying to do what's best for our patients. And, you know, we continue to do that. Um, 
So uh, we will have um, our dietitians uh, at the webinar. Uh, you know, they uh, are focused on improving um, the health of our patients in Eastern North Carolina um, and making early interventions on malnutrition to improve outcomes, uh, decrease mortality, um, reduce length of stay and cost. And you know, so um, you know, our clinical mission, you know, really hasn't changed at all. Um, Don Butler will be on there, and he did a lot of our uh, data analysis and categorization. Um, we'll have, you know, um, uh, Kristen and uh, Shelby. We'll also have Deb from our uh, CDI program, our uh, CDI manager. And I think one of the most interesting and, uh, for me, exciting people that will be there is um, one of our attorneys from our legal team. Um, I think in, in all of this, sometimes the perspective from the um, legal side um, is uh, not really well understood and up until this point I didn't understand all of it either uh, but they really helped us to prepare for the on-site to know what to expect um, how to prepare how to organize um, our responses and so um, I'm really excited to, to have um, you know one of our attorneys um, participate in that and so I, I can't wait to hear the Q&A after that part I can't right. either. I, I'm excited about listening to it. Me too. I, I was just for our audience. I was just showing you, you know, the landing slide on the show is a is a plug for this program. Again, we are going to be doing this as a three-hour show. Uh, Actus Live, we call them. They're in-depth webinars when the topic calls for it, uh, with organizations that have done something innovative or been. You know, involved in a case such as we've been discussing here. So I uh, hope you guys can join. Um, if you want to learn more, check out our uh, this this slide here and this link at the bottom about how to register for that program. So um, just to wrap up here, Vaughn, with you a little bit. Um, you know, you were at the Actus conference. Just I'm always curious to hear what you thought as a not only a speaker but as an attendee. Uh, we had a one thing theme this year we were, we, where we were hoping our attendees could take away and implement at least one thing from the conference to make the expense and the travel and the time away from the office uh, all worth it. So curious what your one thing takeaway was. And also, I, 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 I did hear you had a little fun in San Antonio. Um, this is a family program, so we may not be able to share all of, the, all of that, the details of your experience there. But uh, it, it is really a family reunion. There's a lot of networking that goes on. It's, it's, it's you're meeting um, faces you maybe haven't seen from the year prior, but uh, it's, it's great to reconnect with um, old acquaintances and meet some new friends. So could you talk just a little bit about your experience at the conference? And you've been going for a few years now, so your experiences uh, in, in general there. Yeah, on the record, I had no fun in San Antonio. Um, <laughs> off the record, uh, it, it's always great. And every year there are more people um, to meet up with that, you know, um, I just have to get together with and talk with and so every year that grows and you know the networking um, with colleagues um, and peers is just amazing and I think um, you know I went uh, to the conference thinking my one thing would be HCC as an outpatient which I'm still excited about but you know I um, got uh, reinvigorated regarding appeals and denials um, after our presentation and just talking with um, people who um, have similar experiences and sharing and you know, we connected with some of our um, 
folks here in North Carolina um, in our uh, local active chapter. So, you know, I think appeals and denials is still a passion and, you know, I came with some additional pearls, um, but, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint one thing. It's just uh, so great, um, the whole conference, so. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I'm just showing a few uh, images here from the conference and some of the crowds and the networking. And uh, here is a just a glimpse inside of the exhibit hall. We had about 55 exhibitors there. Um, we had great shows and interacting with um, their 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 clients and old and new. And hey, there's John Elian from Chartwise, one of our one of our friends here at Actus. Uh, we had a poster session. I'm showing just a glimpse of that here. We are going to actually post all the images of these posters on actus.org so you can have yourself a virtual poster session uh, at the leisure of your own laptop. But this is one of our, our great um, un and underappreciated, perhaps, uh, views of the Actus conference. Hey, there's this trailer, Charite. And there's who's, who's that handsome Oh, guy? who's that oh, handsome man? <laughs> <laughs> I actually did a, a live Actus radio show uh, at the conference with Robin Jones, um, talking about her experience moving across the country and um, joining a new CDI department and launching a new initiative. So um, some really good stories came out of that, some really good audience interaction. We had a one thing wall where we were asking folks to share their one thing they love most about CDI. Um, we're going to be sharing that in the post-conference report. We had some local, great local chapter turnout where they their tables were individually decorated to uh, match their state. So some some real fun stuff going on, and here's some Texas pride uh, at the program. Anyways, I I, I I'm glad. Uh, I hope the more than 1,800 folks that showed up at the conference had a great time, enjoyed themselves, learned a lot. Um, and Vaughn, you were a, a big part of that with your session, as well as your presence there every year. So it's, it's, um, it's much appreciated. Thanks. All right. Well, at this point, I am gonna go back to our uh, audience poll. Let me pull that up here. Um, we did ask folks, you guys should be seeing that now, I believe. Um, you guys seeing that poll? I believe you are. Yeah, we did yeah. ask how big of a. Okay, cool. We asked how big of a problem is auditor denials of malnutrition in your organization. So here are our results. 21% uh, said it was a minor problem with a few denials. 25% listed it as moderate. 11% describe it as a major problem, many denials. 38% uh, the majority don't know. Uh, the issue of how big of a denial is, uh, how big of an issue um, malnutrition denials are, and then five percent not applicable. So those are our results. Any any thoughts? We'll start maybe start with you, Vaughn, on these results. Anything surprise you here from from this poll? Um, no, um, that's about what we um, what we got at the beginning of our presentation. We just did uh, by show of hands, and you know, over a third of folks were. Um, being touched by some type of malnutrition-focused audit, whether it's uh, targeted probe and educates, or OIG has, uh, you know, started implementing their work plan, or uh, RAC uh, denials, and um, so um, that's about the numbers that uh, we saw in our hand-raising um, poll at the beginning of our presentation. Um, 
uh, you know, be interesting to see how, as they implement the work plan, how these numbers uh, uh, change and um, what other issues we see come up uh, around malnutrition. And it's interesting that a lot of these um, uh, new audits or information are ICD-10. Uh, ours was ICD-9, um, but a lot of folks we talked to were um, undergoing things in ICD-10, which I, I found to be um, right. All right, thanks. And what about you, Charm? Any any comments on the poll result here? I'm hoping that the 38% that don't know are not CDI. That's what I, I it was caught by that. Um, hopefully, all CDIs are, are knowledgeable about what their organization is being denied regarding. So um, that's what caught me. I, I'm a little surprised that more just thought it was a minor problem. So that's good to know. Yep. Means we're doing something right. All right. Okay. Well, let's um let's take a quick pop over here then to our next um item on the docket, which is um in the news. Pulling that up now. So you should be seeing a CMS.gov screen. So in the in the news is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession. Today I'm showing the ever popular and exciting um, updates to the ICD-10 PCS or procedural codes. So these were recently released by CMS um, and available on cms.gov. Uh, this is for 2019 and remember these change, these new codes and deleted codes and some revised um, coding guidelines are effective uh, for discharges occurring from October 1st 2018 through September 30th, 2019. So anything we talk about in the next few minutes here, again, is not valid yet, but is going to happen um, effective October 1st. You know, there, there's there's too much to talk about here in, in just a couple minutes, but I wanted to really just alert you guys, our listeners, to the um, to the release of the new codes. I will provide a link to these here after the show. Um, they're freely available on the act on the uh, cms.gov website. Uh, the, you can see the links here. CMS was actually nice enough uh, to, and it, w it really was. I'm not being facetious here, but they 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 provided a um, encapsulated all changes in a single file, uh, the 2019 version update. Um, I'll just put my. Uh, my cursor over that right here. This is where you can find it. This is sort of an update summary of all the changes they've had. So we've got, you know, 392 new codes. We've got eight revised code titles. We've got 216 um, deleted codes, bringing our total codes up to 78,881. Um, Vaughn did tell us before the show he was going to go through all 300 of those codes for us in the next three minutes. Uh, <laughs> maybe not. We don't. We, we, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I would encourage folks to check this out. There are some coding guideline changes, nothing earth-shaking. I was talking to our coding instructor, Shannon McCall, about this. She highlighted some changes. You know, there is a new guideline, B317, transfer procedures using multiple tissue layers. Uh, there have been there are some of the, uh, there have been some guideline um, modifications root operations they took out the word initially unsuccessful in initially and in, in initially unsuccessful when attempting to stop post procedural or other acute bleeding 
Um, they've also added some additional guidance about um, devices that are implanted or intended to remain after a procedure is completed, but require removal before the end of the operative episode. So some really important, relatively technical encoding related, but important updates to the guidelines, maybe three of them that are worth checking out. And those are available right here at the top. So if you wanna see exactly the changes they made to the, to the PCS coding guidelines, as well as the new codes, you can check those out here at cms.gov. Um, just from my perspective on anything that, um, I'm always curious how much CDI is involved in the PCS side. Usually it's a coding initiative, but do you, you guys do anything with PCS or as CDI professionals, do you educate surgeons or other, or other clinicians on, on the PCS changes? A lot of our education focuses on um, CDI encoders and um, what to look for and what's needed. And um, I'd say the two biggest things would be anatomy. Um, you know, uh, looking at some of these complex procedures, especially um, complex vascular procedures, um, anatomy is a, a really big, um, a really big area of education for our coders and CDI. Um, and then the other would be root operation, so the intent of the procedure. And so those are the two largest areas that we kind of work as a team with our coders and CDI to better understand so that we can um, focus our queries and that our, uh, so our CDI staff can help um, their surgeons um, get better documentation for those procedures. Right. All right, any comments from you at all, Sharm, on, on the PCS? Or? No, I'm just happy there's not as many as I thought there was going to be. <laughs> so at least we have a little right. bit of time to get used to them. That's a good thing. Yep. All right. Well, you know, we're about at the top of the hour here. So I did want to wrap up uh, with just a couple quick things. Um, you can see our next show coming up in two weeks. We're going to be talking about a couple gray areas in coding. I know there are a few of those um, in, in coding clinics and a couple folks that are going to be talking about those um, and how they address them uh, given the lack of official guidance on some of these areas. Um, so please join us for the next show in two weeks. Um, I also want to let folks know that I, we've announced this at the conference and elsewhere, but if you haven't heard, Actus Radio is now a podcast. Excuse me. That's right. So the nation's only broadcast dedicated to the CDI profession is now available on iTunes. So you can listen on the go on your mobile device. If you're cutting the grass or doing the dishes and you want to put on Actus Radio, uh, we, know it's, we know it's one of the highlights of your every other week schedule uh, that is available. Uh, if you need more information on how to access podcasts, you can let me know after the program. Essentially, it's available freely on iTunes and you can subscribe through your phone. I listen to many, many podcasts. Actus Rotation is now in my, Actus Radio is now in my rotation. So check us out there. Um, so that is going to do it for today's edition of Actus Radio. Again, we hope to see you back in two weeks for some great areas in coding. And uh, enjoy the rest of your week, everyone. Thanks again to Vaughn for coming on and for Sharm for joining. Take care, everyone.